Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. Pastor Aaron walk away with the biggest Bible you've ever seen before? Huh? When it's got tabs on the side so you can find books faster, I feel like my Christianity needs to step it up a notch. Hey, good morning. My name is David Amson. I get the opportunity to continue our conversation in Christmas Miracles this week. Um, but before I do that, um, and I understand this is on the podcast and this is on the YouTube, but I want people to hear this for years to come. So lately, my wife and I, uh, or actually more me, uh, I've actually been really interested in Christmas movies and uh, been watching movies going into Christmas already. I'm a part of this holiday spirit, and normally that's not me. And we're saving the classics for closer to Christmas, uh, like Miracle on 97th Street or whatever that is. And like, can't wait for that one. I'm just kidding. We all know what the classics are. Elf, Home, Home Alone, Die Hard. Right? I mean, we're all on the same page there, right? The, the, Christmas, tri- triple threat right there. So, uh, but lately, uh, we've been watching some of the new releases that came out. Yesterday, I had the opportunity, my wife, my middle, or my youngest boy, my daughter, were watching this movie, and I will say, partway through the movie, and by the way, I'm not giving context of this, because it doesn't matter, but there was an aspect of the movie where they were presenting what normal life looks like now, and my wife and I were like, oh, that's... That's not how we view normal life. Like, that's not the biblical worldview we want our kids watching. And then we're watching it, and it was about halfway through, we looked at each other and we said, this better have a huge redemption by the time we get to the end because they are highlighting the, the naughty list way too much in our book. And so by the end, they gave us a redemption arc that lasted about 14 seconds. But it was at least there. And then I had to gather my young kids up, and we had a biblical worldview conversation. So if you're like me as a dad who wants to make sure to cultivate, not indoctrinate, cultivate your child's worldview, um, I believe we give you a great opportunity here at a church, and I'm going to tell you how. Uh, My mom wrote books a while back, and you're like, is this a commercial? Yeah, it sure is. So if you want a Christmas tradition at your house that you may not have had before, We have three Christmas books here, Marty the Magi, Sammy the Shepherd, and Archie the Angel. Beautiful illustration, wonderful poetry for you to read with your kids. And this week and the next couple weeks, just in the back, over to my left, your right, nothing big, nothing fancy, just set up at a table. And if you would like something new for your family, I want to encourage you to stop by and get these three books. And I can guarantee they're NAB Church approved for biblical worldview. And I say this, I say let's sell so many of these, we raise to the New York Times NAV Church bestseller. <laughs> let's put it in context, really, but, uh, and I do, it, I know this is on the podcast, I know this is on our streaming and everything, but I just want to say, if you want these, you can go to pattyamston.org, stop by there today, but in the world and culture that we're living in now, I think it's important as parents that we cultivate our children's worldview, and these are just beautiful stories that you can sit around and tell. If you like that, say amen. Amen. Here's what I want to do today. I want to tell you three stories. 
last week I told you this. I wrote a sermon that I want to hear. And it's not full of jokes. It's not full of like practical illustrations and all those type of things. And this week I found myself once again just writing a sermon that I want to hear. And it's kind of the beauty of the word, or if I can even use this word, the miracle of our word. So last week I told you the improbability that we even have a Bible today is amazing. The miracle that over a 1,500-year time period, 40 different authors wove a scarlet thread through our scriptures, it's a miracle. It's beautiful. The amount of nations that have tried to wipe Christianity off the face of the world for us to even be here still, it's amazing. Because faith, religions, beliefs, they come and they go. But there's one that you can historically track by, by oral and written tradition that is 6,000 years old. And it's ours. And it's beautiful. So here's what I want to tell you. There was a, uh, during the time of birth, there was a guy named Zachariah. He was a high priest. And this was, uh, I, I, let me, I say high priest. He was a priest. And he was from this small town village. But every year when it came time to going to Jerusalem in order to go to the temple, only one person got to get, was picked to be able to go not just in the outer courts or the inner courts, but this place called the Holy of Holies. How many have ever heard that phrase before? If not, you've probably heard this before, to stand in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Right now, many of you just pictured Indiana Jones inside of your head. Which, by the way, not a bad picture, especially since that was the only good Indiana Jones movie. But let's move on. I'm sorry. That's just a side note. That's not biblical theology. That's just me. My wife and I can't even get through the last one. So the Ark of this Covenant, I'm trying. I promise we're trying, but at some point you can see the de-aging process, and it looks fake. So you have this Ark of the Covenant, and this high priest would come in with this incense, and as he would spread this incense on the altar... It was the high priest at this time that would make intercession for the children of Israel, and it was God's way of forgiving the sins of the past and allowing us to move forward, which is why people would travel to Jerusalem at this time to sacrifice a lamb or a turtle dove or different things like this. And it was a way, if I can say this, it wasn't to forgive sins, but it was a way to cover sins for another year. And the high priest would come in, and they would fill this holy of holies, and this veil, this veil, I'm getting emotional, and I don't know why, because this Ark of the Covenant was behind this veil, but this smoke would so fill this temple that the veil between the holy and the unholy, the veil between the unseen and the seen would almost disappear. And Zechariah, every year, would come to the temple, and they, they were actually dice. Dice would be thrown to see which priest had the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies. And once you did it once, you were never going to do it again. And this was the year that the lots fell upon Zechariah's house. What an honor. What a time. Now, Zechariah, here's what we know about him. He was well in his age. His wife and he wanted to have a child, but they were unable to bear a child. She was well past the age of even able to bear children. So Zechariah goes in this day, and he st again, it starts in the outer courts, and there's a washing, there's a cleansing, there's a removing clothes. You go in, and he's waving this, and all of a sudden, while he's waving it, this veil 
becomes so thin that an angel steps into the environment. And he says, Zechariah, you for years have wanted this opportunity, but the lots never fell upon you. By the way, these are my words. The lots have never fallen upon you because it wasn't your time. It wasn't your moment. It wasn't your opportunity. Because we in the heavens had to wait for earth to be ready for a newborn king. And so now, Zechariah, you're going to have a baby. The last Old Testament prophet known as John the Baptist. And Zechariah, being well in age, and his wife being well past age-appropriate childbirthing anything, had some disbelief. And by the way, I don't have the scriptures on the screen, anything on the screen for you today. If you want these notes, you can download it in our app. But I just want to read through this. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in the years. Men, I need to highlight one thing for you. He called himself old, and he said, but my wife, she's just up there in the years. Wisdom, wisdom. There's certain things you don't call your spouse. Men, just little things that we can pull off of this. She has so many crow's feet. He left all that out. Lord, it's not menopause. She's at menopause. Like, there, he didn't say any of that. God, you want to talk about, okay, so we're all on the same page. The angel said this. I, I, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say, well, here's how it's going to happen. Because practically speaking, we know what's going to need to happen. He just said this. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been here sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah comes out of this temple, everyone wanting to know what he sees. And since he wasn't able to reverberate the words that the angel spoke, God said, you're not going to say anything that won't reverberate, reverberate in the echoes of heaven. A few months later, this uh, girl named Mary, we all know her, not personally, just a historical figure. This girl named Mary, most theologians would agree, about 15, give or take. She was actually uh, engaged, let's use that word, modern term that we would all know, to a guy named Joseph, engaged to be married. And in this day, being betrothed in this engagement period was as good as being married. Now, there were certain aspects of the wedding activities that didn't take place until your wedding day, Right, But the, the, the endowment that the man would have brought would have already been paid for. The commitment, the, the wedding ceremony was already being planned. And this virgin, washing clothes, cleaning house, making bread. I, I don't know what she was doing, but she was living everyday life. 
And all of a sudden, Gabriel had another assignment to show up to her. And he said, hey, Mary, you're going to become pregnant. But this pregnancy that you're going to have is going to be unlike any pregnancy in the history of mankind. Actually, in case anybody's wondering, it's a pregnancy that sets our faith apart from every other religion. Just so you know, most religions, we have to go up a mountain to find a God. In this religion, our, our God came off of a mountain to stand with my, mankind. And in most religions, a man becomes a God figure where our God became a God man. And he said, there's going to be a seed inside of you. Because there has to be a different lineage, a different seed line come to mankind. Because ever since Adam released an Adamic curse, every person born after them has a cloak of sin in their life. So no one can pay the price of sin lest they're sinless. So we need to introduce a new seed line into the world. And in order to introduce that new seed line, it can't be a part of the existing one. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will enshadow you. So the one to be born will be called Son of God. Not Son of Mary, Son of Joseph. Not Son of Man, Son of God. And by the way, Elizabeth, your relative, who's Elizabeth, six months ago, Gabriel visited her. Your relative is going to have a child in her old age. Well, wouldn't Mary known this? Keep in mind, there wasn't telephones, telegrams, Twitter, excuse me, X. There wasn't, there's a chance Mary and Elizabeth have had no communication because of just distance. You don't pick up on the weekends to go see friends because you can't go to the local grocery store, buy what you need, fill up the car and get in. This would have been great distance. So even the angel said, Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. And the angel wasn't smart enough not to call her old. But we're not going to talk about it. It's Gabriel. He stands before God. He already told us about that. And she was said to be unable to conceive as in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary's response I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. Now, I, I will say this. The plan for today's sermon was to look at the difference between Zechariah's response and Mary's response. And here's why. I, I, I didn't get this. Zechariah said, how will this be? And the angel said, shut your mouth. And Mary said, how can this be? And the angel said, your womb will be filled. Same question, different responses. So just so you know, I, I did look up these things called Greek words. It's where our Bibles come from. And it was a ridiculous amount. And from what I can tell, and by the way, I'm no theologian, but I'm pretty sure I got this one right. Mary was asking an inquisitive question Practically speaking, if I'm a virgin and I don't know a man, how can this be? 
where Zechariah, it wasn't, the, the, the word actually comes from a root word. It's an ass in distress as if in a work mode. So Zechariah's was more like, <laughs> how can this be? Like, it was like, I'm old, she's old, we old, right? So tone and texture when you're talking to God may just matter a little bit. Throw that out there. But our story doesn't end there. Because now you have Elizabeth, six months ahead of time, is pregnant. So about Mary's first trimester, Elizabeth's having her baby. And then fast forward to, can I just just say Christmas time? We don't know the exact date that Jesus was born. And for today's conversation, it doesn't matter. But at Christmas, Mary had her baby. And the reason I'm okay saying at Christmas time is because our forefathers hundreds of years ago realized that Christians were forgetting the virgin birth. And if we forget the virgin birth in Jesus' story, it kind of messes up the whole redemptive arc and why the crucifixion was important. So we, December 25th, this is our Christmas. Christmas time, Mary was having her baby. But during this time, this guy named Herod, can we just call him Herod the Horrible? And you're like, well, how, why do you call him horrible? When you kill your wife, when you kill your sons, all because of your intimidation to lose your power, I think you're a horrible person, right? What Herod did to the temple, in one way is you go, oh, well, he made it beautiful. No, he made it in an arrogance. He created what the temple was. And then, oh, by the way, here's a commercial for next week, and Pastor Aaron read it. Why did God say that Jesus was going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes? Like, what a weird thing to say. Next week, we're going to unpack that in a big way. But I can tell you this, he didn't come like any other king. Except for one thing. Herod one day, sitting on his throne, everything is great because he is. And he hears rumors of magi coming from the east. And Herod, at this point, would have stood up from his throne. The Magi from the East were powerful, influential men with finances, and they were known to travel the world when it was time to appoint a king. And you didn't mess with the Magi. I know this is like a whole lot of history you may not care about. But because of their economic influences in specific ports and regions, you honored them because if they decided to stop doing business with you, they could bankrupt you as a nation. They had wisdom, they had wealth, they had influence, and Herod found out they were traveling to his area. Herod the Great, who killed anybody that would press against his power, wife, children, now is finding out that the Magi are coming to appoint a new king of Israel. So Herod brings them in. Oh, I want to honor just by the way, this is supposed to be laced with sarcasm. So if, if I'm not portraying it correctly, just lace it with sarcasm. But although I think I'm going to be able to do that, um, uh, like come into, I need to find out what is going on. And they said, well, there was a star in the east. And by the way, these guys weren't necessarily Christian or God thinking. They were astrologists, but they've been reading Old Testament prophecies. They started putting puzzles together and the heavens declared the glory of God on earth, and they were able to read what the heavens were saying, and they traveled a great distance to come. And Herod said this, when you find, when you find this baby king, will you report it back to me so I myself may go praise him? 
Like, I don't know how to do the sarcasm there. I, I, I get, it was a lie. And, of course, the Magi left, and they were able to find where the king was. And then afterwards, the Magi traveled a different way home not to report to Herod what happened. So Herod, in his angst and his excitement to celebrate this newborn king, Herod, in Matthew 2, verse 16, when he saw that, they, that he was mocked or outwitted by the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, angry, frustrated, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. Every child that was two years and younger, according to the timeline that he diligently inquired from the wise men. So you now have Herod, upon finding about the death, or finding about this newborn king, instead of him being able to identify the one, he was so horrible, there was a genocide of every child two years and younger. Could you imagine if you lived in the, in the metro east, and our local governor was so addicted to power that instead of finding one child to kill, your door got knocked on and they said, we need every one of your children. And if they were two years or younger, without question, they just immediately murdered them. So we have three characters, three personalities, three narratives that I'd like to just talk about a little bit this morning. And in order to talk about them, here's what I want to say. Your mind justifies what your heart has chosen. Your mind justifies. If there's one point that I want you to walk away with today, going into this holiday season, and I would even say this, going into 2024, if there's one truth that we can all learn is that our mind will justify what our heart has chosen. And by the way, this could be in your finances. This could be in your health. This could be in your relationships. Any place where our heart has a desire, our mind will justify why we can do it, right? If our hearts justify that we have been, uh, that injustice has been done to us, our mind will justify murder. If our hearts have, if our hearts believe that the big corporate entities make way too much money, our mind will justify robbery, Right? If our hearts believe, we will lie. We will deceive. And so we need to understand how the power of understanding what our heart wants and our, how our mind justifies. And how our mind needs to speak to our heart what truth is. And I want to put this in the context of spirituality. Because when it came to, came to Herod, Herod, heart believed in the danger of the miraculous. Herod's heart believed in the danger of the miraculous. So his mind justified, and by the way, if you don't, like, aren't offended by this, his mind justified the slaughter of hundreds, thousands, possibly ten thousands worth of children, all under the age of two, because his heart found danger in the miraculous because when he found, and here's how I'd like to say it, a new move of God just entered the earth. It didn't fit with what he wanted God to do, so he found it dangerous to him, so he was willing to murder to fight against it. 
How does this live in our practical life? And I'll give you a couple examples. I don't know why that was funny, but apparently it was. We have a friend of the ministry that was working at another church, and the church brought him in to help advance worship in their church. So one of the things that he did in the church was he started dimming the lights a little bit, and he introduced some guitars and drums, and he introduced click tracks. He just introduced some very practical things. And in the middle of one of the worship services, one of the older gentlemen was not happy with the new that was coming, got up out of their seat, walked to the wall, and started flipping on every light in the church. May I be very clear about this? We hold true to theology, not to methodology. We hold true to theology, not to methodology. If next month we no longer have a full band and we have a Gaither band style acapella voices only, I'll give you this one, or we go full country. Thank you. But if the moment we strike a steel guitar, the presence of God falls, do you think I care about country music anymore? I don't care about the methodology. I care about the presence of God. And when the miraculous comes in your life, if you find danger in change, then we will fight against the miraculous that God wants to bring. And I want to make sure to give this the proper time you need to hear it because I personally believe and am praying for on a regular basis, I believe there's a major move of God coming to this earth. Amen. Not just America. Not just a nation. I believe it's coming to the earth. And here's why I believe that. Because there's been no greater time on earth that, you, that government... And those who find dangers in the miraculous can throttle back the word of God. Because tomorrow, if the spirit of God fell here in a powerful way, all we have to do is turn that camera on and hit live stream. People don't have to travel to get it. Now, by the way, getting it is important. And here's why I say that. If the only thing you ever do is watch TV at home and you say, I'm going to church, I would say it's like this. It's like watching your fireplace on TV Christmas morning. You can see it, but there's a certain warmth that you are missing. And when you're in the church around other people, there's a certain warmth that you're going to be missing. But it doesn't change the fact that you still get to see the fire. And the great thing about the fire of our Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't need me and it doesn't need you. It needs awareness. But what happens if the Spirit of God falls in a powerful way and we reject it because it doesn't look like the way we want it to look or we think we're going to lose the power that we supposedly have or it goes against the methodology that we've always had? If the Spirit of God shows up tomorrow and says, bring hymnals back, I will be the first one to print them. You know why? Because we want to embrace the miraculous. Right? And so I would say this. Don't be Herod. If you come in next week and we rearrange the chairs and you don't have your place to sit, I may do it just to kick your religious spirit in the teeth. 
everyone on staff and every volunteer right now just heard me say, oh no, we got to change the chairs for next week, <laughs> which I got an idea, but let's move on. Then you have Zachariah, and may I just say, this is the one I fall into. I don't know if it's you, but Zechariah, when it came to the impossibility of the miraculous, he was well past his age. His wife, physically unable. And so his heart could not believe what his mind was hearing. Because how long can you live with a hopeless heart. So when they were teenagers, and he said, I'm going to be in the priesthood, and she goes, I will live that lifestyle. As teenagers and young adults, they did baby-making activities, and every month, no baby. Every year, no baby. Every year, disappointment settles and the hope that's in a heart, your mind starts believing this will never happen for us. And then one day, Elizabeth comes in, and she's cold. And then she's hot. And then she's cold. That's enough. I had, I had guts to do jokes earlier, but I know, I know there's a line. Laying in bed, honey, good night, throwing the covers off. And I'm being told to stop, so two more jokes seem appropriate. Then, <laughs> then the normal flows of a human body begins to cease. And so hopeless, hope deferred becomes hope permanent, lost. So it's not that her heart didn't have a season that her mind could believe, but her heart has come to terms with the reality that life has given her. How many of us have places in our life where we've had words from God, we've read something in the Bible, we've been in a private prayer time where we feel like Jesus said something to us, and every year that ticks by, every disappointment that occurs, every contract that falls through, every job that doesn't happen, every new contract you put on a building to move your church doesn't happen. <laughs> At what point does hope deferred become hope lost? And your mind starts saying, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this wasn't supposed to happen. And oddly enough, I believe our minds go into a protective mode because it can only be so long that we deal with broken hearts. There's only so many times I can watch my hope be dashed that this relationship that I had that was separated, that it's going to come back. Maybe it's a kid that you keep praying for and now they've made another bad decision. They seem one step further away. So with Zechariah, his was the impossibility of the miraculous. And I want to encourage you today, if you've been living a life following Jesus Christ, don't stop believing in the miraculous. Don't stop believing. 
and the promises that not just the word has for you, but his word to you has spoken. Because what our mind does, our mind will justify what our heart is feeling to protect it and to protect us. But what happens when Gabriel shows up and says to you, yeah, I know what society says. I know what science says. I know what time says. But I stand with God in his throne room every moment of eternity. And he's telling me to come tell you this. And then you have Mary, the fulfillment of the miraculous. So I think Mary was on the opposite side of Zechariah. She was young. She still is that teenager. She would have grown up hearing these prophetic words from Old Testament prophets about a coming king, about the rise of Israel again. Now, they had one mindset about it. Jesus had a whole different plan. But there's still a belief system that hope can come. And so when the angel came and said to Mary, you're going to be pregnant as a virgin, her question is, how is this going to happen? And it wasn't a disbelief of Zechariah of going, I will not let you speak hope into my heart that has been crushed so many times in the past. Hers was, I'm going to let you speak hope. Can you talk to me practically? How is this going to be? And so Mary when her heart heard this, her mind just needed to figure out how to believe it so she could bring her mind in proper alignment to what the heart of God was. Well, how can this be? I don't know a man. Oh, you're going to know. Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he's going to deposit a seed inside of you. And her response, I pray, would be my response, which, by the way, it's not. Most of the times I mess this up. Most of the times I fight back. Most of the times my mind tries to protect my heart from past pains and disappointments. But her response should be what all of us say on a regular basis. I am your slave. I am your servant. I am your bond servant. Let it be unto me everything you have spoken. And everything that you've spoken to my heart that my mind can't comprehend, I'll bring my mind into alignment. I'll bring this belief into alignment because what my mind needs to do is understand it's to protect the heart of what God's called us to. So Herod... If we suffer, can I use the phrase, if we suffer from the Herod spirit? If, if I say that, do you know what I mean by that? The, the Herod mindset. If we suffer from a Herod mindset, what we're going to end up doing most of the time is sabotaging the words of God. We sabotage them. We downgrade them. Manipulate them. Attack them. We sabotage what God is trying to say. Here's one for you. The word of God says that the whole earth would be filled with his glory. But then we have Christians going, it's getting so bad, Jesus is coming back at any moment. Well, stop making it bad. Well, it's so bad, at any moment, Jesus has to have a rescue plan and get us all out of here. 
No, he said it's going to be filled with his old glory. So I have an idea. Fill yourself with glory. And then when you're done with that, help fill your spouse with glory. And then when you're done with that, fill your children with glory by buying a book who's on sale now. Okay, so <laughs> I got to be honest. I felt like it was getting too serious in here. You guys aren't used to serious, David, so we got to. And then when you're done with that, go fill your school with glories. Go fill your cubicle with glory. Here's one. When you're driving down the road, fill the roads with glory. I know some of you are bad drivers, and you think I have a story, but I've been doing good lately. So, like, or else, you know what we become? We become self-fulfilling prophets. The world's getting horrible, so I'm not going to do anything. Congratulations. You just fulfilled your own prophetic word. We do this to ourselves all the time, but it usually sounds like this. I can never lose this weight. Not with that mindset. Because your mind's reinforcing what your heart believes. I can never get out of debt. Yes, you can. You know how I know? I have worked myself out of debt. We have partners here that work people out of debt. Why? Because in their heart, they believe that no one has to be a slave. And by the way, this is scripture, has to be a slave to the lender. And so, but unfortunately, all too often, we sabotage the miraculous of God and we say things like this, he could never use me. Well, if your heart believes that, your mind will make sure you justify it. So let, I'm going to just say this. Let's not have the Herod spirit. Let's not have the Zachariah spirit. And we discredit the word of God. In my opinion, again, my opinion, I think the Herod spirit and the Zechariah spirit run a really similar race. The Zechariah spirit just looks good on Sundays. I, I, I've processed this part time and time again. The fact is, neither of them wanted to actually believe what God said. One was just an active opposition to it. The other one played the role of a spiritual leader. Or, we can choose to have the gift, the miracle, the spirit of Mary where we align ourselves with the miraculous of God. I have siblings who don't believe in the faith that I believe. Every year that goes by, I have to speak to my hope and say, you can't die if they haven't died. I'm going to use this example and I'll move past it. When it comes to finding a new place for us to move to. <laughs> I really do believe in the Bible. It says that God is Jehovah. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> he just. 
But what if? What if instead of attacking or sabotaging, what if right now I said to myself, I'm in the middle of my miracle? What if, what if instead of viewing this as constant closed doors, I say to myself, God, you love us so much that you refuse to let us walk to the wrong door. Exactly. And I'm in, guys, we're in the middle of our miracle. But the problem is, ready see how slippery this is? The problem is, as a pastor, I have a belief system that we have to have a building that has a nice front door, a, a place for kids to go to, signage everywhere, comfortable chairs, so half of you, like, don't fall asleep, the other half don't, like, like we, we have this belief system. But the problem is, I've read so many revivals in the past that they just met in an open field. Amen. You know what, you, do you realize who has the biggest church in the, in the world right now? It's in China. And they are not allowed to have a church unless it's state-approved, which I'll give you a hint. <coughs> They're the biggest church, and they just meet in homes in fear of their life. What if I said to myself, God, I'm in the middle of a miracle that you're writing for Navigation Church? What that does is that tells my head, my mind, that the hope that needs to be in my heart never should be to the point where it needs to be revived. But you're giving life to it. And it's not some false disbelief, oh, we can't be logical if we're Christians. No, it's the reality of God has a purpose. And by the way, it's his church, not David's, not Aaron's, not Steve, not Heather, not... I'm going to stop there because there's a whole list of volunteers here, and I will definitely forget one. It's none of our churches. It's his. We're stewards of it. We're stewards of the miracle that he wants to bring to the earth. On December 24th, when we have service here together, we're going to practically do that by holding a candle in our hand. Because the one light that was here, he's not here anymore. But the flame that he started still burns bright. And the way that I am a steward of that flame is by aligning my heart and my mind to the will and miracles of God. So God, I'm going to start by repenting today. Any place in my life where I've had a, and again, I'm just going to use the phrase, a Herod spirit. God, forgive me. Forgive me for attacking. Forgive me for trying to tear down. Forgive me for rejecting. Any place, God, in a Zachariah spirit that I have cloaked my rejection of the miraculous with a spiritual cloak, actually using your words against you, Holy Spirit, I repent right now. And God, I ask in my life, and I pray other people are asking the same thing right now. I pray for that Mary-type spirit where we finish by saying the words, I am your Lord. I am, your, I am the Lord's servant. May your words be 
fulfilled unto me. Today, God, I tell my mind to recognize the heart of who you are and bring in alignment all of who I am, integrity, full integration, so that the miraculous can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Here in my personal life, my family's life, my children's life, Lord, I pray, I pray for every spouse that my kid will one day marry. I pray those families are aligning now. I pray every aspect, God. Help us bring into alignment. In your name we pray. Amen. Nav Church. For those watching in our online campus, we so appreciate you stopping in today. Uh, if you want to buy a book, pattyampson.org. But I will tell you this, you're not going to want to miss the next couple Sundays. Um, the kids are going to be fun. Uh, our December 24th, it's just going to be a traditional, let's come together. It will be about less, an, a right at about an hour service. And then uh, the 31st, I can tell you that even during worship today, I felt like God started talking to me about what we need to do, and we're going to praise him. We're going to praise him. And so I invite you to come and join us in person. If not, you can always join us online. God bless the online audience. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, know Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.